0: welcome to the fbclb podcast where you'll find the preaching of dave delaney pastor of the first baptist church of long beach thanks for listening
1: All right, take your Bibles and go to Psalms chapter 85 this evening, Psalm chapter 85. And uh, we've had a wonderful time at VBS, Kids Day Camp this week. And in fact, that's why my voice sounds like it does this evening, all right? It's because it was left down the hallway with your little devils, I mean, your little children And uh, we had a great time. Brother Chad has done a wonderful job leading that event. And uh, also so many of our staff jumping in and, and being a part. So you're gonna have to listen on purpose and listen in spite of how the voice sounds, all right? So Psalms chapter 85, if you found your place and if you're willing and able let's stand together out of respect for the reading of God's word, Psalms chapter 85. And we're gonna read all 13 verses. Psalms chapter 85, all 13 verses. If you're new here at First Baptist, our Bible teaching and preaching method is simply to go next chapter, next verse, and we walk through uh, the books of the Bible that way. And uh, we started, I guess, man, three years ago now, walking through the book of Psalms. And uh, it's just been wonderful encouragement right in the middle of our week to give us exactly what we are in need of. And uh, being no different, I believe, this evening, Psalm chapter 85, Psalm chapter 85. And uh, the, the, the text is going to break out into four parts. Okay, so you'll you'll see it rather simply, I believe. But you're going to look for four pieces as we read through this. So it begins, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. Those three verses go together. And that's the psalmist understanding of his past. And then you're going to see verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. And that's the psalmist understanding of his present And then you're going to see verse 8 and 9, and that's the psalmist understanding his preparation, how the Lord is preparing him for what the Lord wants him to do. And then you're going to see verse 10, 11, 12, and 13, and this is going to be a good one. You see God's provision to the psalmist, okay? So that's how it's going to break out in the text. You'll see it here in a second, but let's begin in verse number 1. In fact, let's do this. I'm gonna. want to save my voice a little bit, and I want you to actually hear the text. Chad, you come up and put you on the spot. All right, you come up and you read uh, this psalm for us. The ver- these 13 verses. Read them together, then pray, and then I'll jump into it. Go ahead.
0: Psalm 85, beginning verse 1. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah. Verse 3 Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that, uh, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall, spr- shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps.
1: All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Father, we ask that you would bless you, the teaching and preaching of your word. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you for standing. I hear you're giving me some volume, Miss Gina. I really appreciate that. Psalms 85 is instruction for what the Christian can do in the middle of difficult years. As Psalms 85 is instruction for what the Christian can do in the middle of difficult years. Psalms 85 is where you can go when you've had unmet expectations. Psalms 85 is where you can go when you've had disappointments in this life. Psalms 85 is where you can go when you have fallen flat on your face. Okay, so let's just, let's just see who we're talking to for a second. Anyone in the room ever had an unmet expectation? Let me see. Okay. Anyone in the room ever had a disappointment? Let me see. Anyone in the room ever fallen flat on your face? Let me see. If you aren't sure if you've had any of those, just ask your wife. She'll be more than happy to point out those areas for you. This is what the psalmist is facing. The psalmist says he's being brought back into the land that the Lord has promised to give them. Okay, so immediately, without knowing anything else about this psalm, what we know is that for whatever reason they've been taken away from the land, and now the Lord has brought them back into the land that He has given to them. So if you you know Old Testament now, you put your Old Testament thinking hat on, and, and what you'll know is that when the children of Israel were taken out of the land, what was that a reason for? They were always taken out of the land as a way of punishment, as a way of discipline, as a way of judgment. So the children of Israel had set up false idols. They they chased after false gods. They did what they wanted to do, what they thought was right, as opposed to doing what the Lord said was right. They did what they wanted, when they wanted, with whoever they wanted. And they went chasing after false gods. And because of that, God would send judgment into the land. And that judgment was normally accompanied by captivity of some sort. So they were taken off as slaves and they were drugged to Babylon, think the Assyrians or whatever it may be. They were drugged away and now they've come back to the land. So when they get back into the land, they're, they're remembering their past. That's the first point. My past. In fact, look at all of the verbs in the first three verses. Now, I said verbs, and some of you immediately stopped listening. Okay? But, but look, it's going to be very important for you to identify that. Okay, look at, look at all the ways that they are remembering what God has done for them. Okay, look at the, look at the words. Favorable. Look at the word brought back. Look at verse 2, forgiven. Look at verse 2, covered. Look at verse 3, taken away. Look at verse 3, turn to thyself from the fierceness. Okay, so immediately what they are remembering when they come back into the land is how God has forgiven, how God has covered, how God has taken away wrath, how God has turned himself from wrath. They're remembering all of the good things that God has done for them. And they're, they're singing about it. Are, are you tracking me on that point? They're singing about it. So as they come in, they're remembering all that God did for them in their past, how He forgave and covered and turned and took away and brought back, how He did all of these things and how He did this for them. Psalms 85 is really a psalm of remembering. But hear me, it's a psalm of remembering with thanksgiving. Don't miss that point. It's a psalm of remembering, but it's a psalm of remembering with thanksgiving. They're not just remembering that their past was glorious. They're not just remembering that their past was good. They're not just remembering that back then things were a lot better. Do you see that point? What they are remembering is they are remembering how that God was good to them back then. And and that that is a very important thing to recognize. That's That's a very stark contrast to remember how that it was the Lord who was doing all of this for them. And here's why. Because oftentimes when we look to the past... We don't look for how good the Lord was, we look for how good we were. I'll say it again because you missed it. Oftentimes, when we look to the past, we don't look for how good God was. We look for how good we were, how, how good I had it back then how much I had going on back then, how successful I was back then, how awesome I was back then, how great, how spiritual, how spectacular, whatever it is, how how I was all of those things back then, and yet notice they aren't remembering how good they were. They aren't remembering all that they had done. They are remembering specifically how good God was for them. They are intentionally looking for the Lord in their past. Man, what do you do when you fall flat on your face? What do you do when you meet unmet expectations? What do you do when you find disappointments in this life? Man, look to your past for how good God is. For how good God is. Man, when, write this down. When I think of my past, I'll be grateful. When I think of my past, I'll be grateful. So they intentionally look to what the Lord has done for their past, how favorable he was, how how he brought them back, how he had forgiven their sins, how he had covered all of their iniquities, how he had taken away all the wrath, how he had turned himself from his own fierceness that should have been shown toward them. Man, they are intentionally looking to the Lord. They are not looking after themselves. They're not looking after their own accomplishments. They're not looking after their own successes. They're not looking after their own achievements. No one goes back into the land and goes, wow, we are really something special. No, no, they go back into the land and they go, wow. God is something special. Hey, look here. You aren't as awesome as you remember yourself. You, you aren't as awesome as you remember yourself being. You, you, you aren't as good as you remember yourself being. And yet this is often the way we view our past. We view our past with this unrealistic remembering of how good we were. And that increases our disappointment and unmet expectations in the present. And what's good for us to do every now and then is it's good for us to pause the button on life just a little bit, look back into our past, and remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Remember how He helped you through that, not how you got through that. Remember the Lord, how he brought you through that, not how you strategically lined up all of these things in order to get yourself here. No, look back and remember the Lord, how he turned himself from the wrath that was due to you because of your disobedience to him, and yet he turned himself away, not how you prevented it from happening. Man, when I, when I think of my past, I'll be grateful. When I think of my past, I'll be grateful. Man, number two, look at verse number four. Look at verse number four. So he begins, verse four, turn us. Okay, so watch. They finally made it back into the land. They finally get back. To where they really, where they really wanted to be. And when they get back home, they look around the land that God has given them. They, they look around at the cities that God gave them. They look around the land and listen, it's not what they remember. It's not, it's not, it's not what, it's not what they remember it being. And it's not what they remember it being. Why? Because they've suffered this huge defeat. Because they lost this huge battle. The cities are flattened. The houses are burned. The crops are destroyed. Because a people have moved into the land who did not honor God with the land the way that they should have. Because they set up false... altars and and made false sacrifices to false gods. And so, when they were taken to captivity, what did they want? Oh, Oh, if I could just get back to the land. Oh, if I could just get back to the land. Oh, if I could just put my feet in the Jordan again. Oh, if I could just see the hill. Oh, if I could just see my hometown. If I could just walk down Main Street, right? And then when they get back into the land, what do they realize? Man, they realize the land has been vacant of God's people, God's principles, God's way, God's word. It's been completely decimated by people who have rejected God, who have gone after false gods. And the land, look here, the land is not what they remember it to be. It's it's, it's why we say this is, this is a psalm for disappointments. This is a psalm for unmet, unmet expectations. And not only is the land not what they remember it to be, but their beloved temple is destroyed. Their walls have been flattened. Think everything, Ezra, Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding of the temple. Think all of that, right? It's all destroyed. And now this place that they only dreamed about This place that they remembered as being so glorious and so great and so amazing and so sweet and so wonderful and so joyful and so peaceful, right? And now they get back there, and now what? Man, now it's not anything like what they remember. It's been completely destroyed. Look here, home wasn't what it used to be. home, it wasn't what it used to be. man. that's, that's their present. What they thought it was going to be, it wasn't. And they, they, they were, they were grateful to God for their past, sure. But in their present, they're, man, they're facing this crisis. It's a crisis of their faith. So look at verse number four. Turn us. I I wonder if we were writing this psalm. I wonder if we would have ever changed the words turn us to say turn this. You you know the difference, right? The, The difference. Lord, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. So, Lord. Change me. You see, what I'm afraid of is if I'm afraid that if I were writing this song, I'm afraid I would have written, Lord, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, so change this. Make this what I want it to be. Make this like I think it should be. Make this like I remember it being. Man, the psalmist doesn't pray, Lord, turn this. The psalmist prays, Lord, turn me. Change, change me. Look at this. Turn us, O God, of our salvation and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Look at verse number five. Verse number five, he asks, really, he asks two questions. And he's, they're, they're rhetorical questions. How many of you know what a rhetorical question is? Right, let me see. All right, Wonderful. A rhetorical question is a question you don't really want an answer to. You use that on your children all the time, right? Didn't I tell you to pick up your toys? That's a rhetorical question, because of course you know you told them, like 175 times you told them, right? Didn't I tell you you need to get milk? No, of course course you know you told him to get milk on the way home, he just didn't do it. It's a rhetorical question. It's what he's doing here, look at verse 5, wilt thou be angry with us forever? It's a a question where he knows the answer. And the answer is, no, of course God won't be angry forever. Look look at verse number five. Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Well, well, of course the answer is no. Of course God won't draw out his anger to all generations. Look at verse six. So wilt thou not revive us again? Okay, Lord, since, since you won't be angry forever... Uh, okay, Lord, since you won't draw out thine anger to all generations, well then, verse 6, wilt thou not revive us again? Why? man, that thy people may rejoice in thee and show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. Hear me on this. You can spend all the time you want complaining about the past, or you can make your prayer for the Lord to change you for the present. You can spend all the time you want just remembering the good old days, all the good old days. Newsflash, the good old days weren't so good. They were old, but they weren't good. Or you can say, Lord, change me for the situation that you've given me right now. You see, a prayer of faith says, Lord, you've been good to me back there. Lord, that was all you. It wasn't me. It was all you. So, Lord, change me now for what you want to do right here. Somebody told me the other day, said, well, Pastor, I know God won't give me more than I can handle, but this does sure feel like it. I grabbed my Bible and I said, can you show me where the Bible says God won't give you more than you can handle? I said, well, no, I can't. I said, Exactly. His God is in a habit of giving his people far more than they can handle so they can realize they can't handle it and they need him. Amen. No th- this is what he wants this is the position he wants you in. See the position he wants you in is a position of weakness not a position of strength. Because when you're weak he's strong. But as long as as you think you got this, as long as you think you don't need Him, okay, go ahead, have at it. And look at what a mess you'll make. Look at what a mess you'll make. Listen to this. Watch, watch this. Look at verse 4. Turn us. Look at verse 6. Revive us. Look at verse 7. Show us. Look at verse 7 grant us do you see do you see how the restoration comes you see how the changing is done the changing is done by god turning us the changing is done by god reviving us. The changing is done by God showing us. The the changing is done by God granting us. It's the way that God changes us. It's the way that God's work is done inside of us. And by the way, how do you know if God is changing you? How can you tell if the Lord is changing you into who he wants you to be? Well, we'll look at it. Verse number six. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? So, So one of the ways you know that you're being changed into who God wants you to be is because despite the changing, you are rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you didn't hear it, I'll say it again, rejoice. That's my paraphrase of what the Apostle Paul said right there, okay? Rejoice in the Lord always. Man, you listen, if verse 1, 2, and 3 are when you think of your past, be grateful to God, Then. Verse 4, 5, 6, and 7 would be, when you consider your present, rejoice in God. Wait, but, but you don't, I, I can't rejoice in the present because I have this, I have this problem I'm facing. I, I, I can't rejoice in my present because, because my marriage has got some issues. I can't rejoice in my present because you don't know my boss. I can't rejoice in my present because the city that I used to live in is laid flat. I can't rejoice in my present because the wall is torn down. I can't rejoice in the present because the temple is collapsed. And yet, what did Nehemiah say? The joy of the Lord is my strength. See how it builds? See, when I consider my present situation, I, I rejoice. I'm joyful. I will be joyful. Now, look, I, I know I'm talking to Baptist on Wednesday night. I got that. And we think what that, we think when I consider my present situation, I'll be grumpy. I'll be cranky. I'll be cantankerous. No, no. Man, the identifying mark, look, the identifying mark that God has reviving you, that God is changing you, is you will have joy. So if there's absent joy being produced in your heart and life, what that means is there's absent the Spirit. Because where the Holy Spirit of God shows up, His fruit is produced. And the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in your life, according to Ephesians, is joy. I'm not saying walk around with a fake smile on your face, fake it till you make it. It's not what I said. A joy, joy is not subject to the circumstance that you're going through. Why? Because joy is not rooted in your circumstance. Joy is rooted in your God. That's what he says. Watch this. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice? Adrian Rogers called this the theology of revival. The theology of revival. Here's how he wrote it. The theology of revival. What is revival? Revival is God refreshing and turning and showing and changing his people from who they used to be into who they need to be. And when God is doing that, we can rejoice, he says. Listen, who needs revival? Well, he tells you, thy people. You know who needs revival? This guy. We need revival. You, you need revival. I need revival. We need it. Who needs revival? God's people do. That thy people, think about this, here's here's an indication that you need revival. Because you can understand that you are a child of God, you belong to the people of God. God is your Father, you are His child. And then you go, yeah, but I just don't like my circumstances. Like we even allow, we even allow a wonderful truth like God is your Father to just go, what time do we get the kids? Do I have enough time to get some grocery shopping done before I got to pick them up? We miss this wonderful truth that God has brought you into fellowship with Him, that He's chosen you, that he's brought you into his family through the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's the reviver? Here's what he says. Who's the reviver? Well, if the music would have been a little better, then I could have been revived. I mean, I came to worship service. I just wasn't feeling revived through Brother Chad's singing. Well, listen, that's about as good as it gets, okay? I'm just telling you. Who's the reviver? It's the word thou, it's, it's, it's emphatic in, the, in, in verse number six. Watch, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice? Who's doing the reviving? God and God alone is doing the reviving. Not, not the music minister, not the pastor, not the... And aren't you grateful for that because the voice is hoarse this evening, right? It's God. What's the impact of revival? The impact of revival is that your heart now has a thrill. There's a smile in your soul. There's a spring in your step. There's a joy in your heart. What are the chances for revival? Very good. Here's why. Because there's no situation that God has ever encountered That he cannot bring back life to. I am, I am the resurrection and the life. So Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Man, in my present situation, I will rejoice. When I think of my past, I will be grateful. When God revives His people, the indicator that revival has visited is there is joy. God, turn turn this situation around. That wasn't the psalmist's prayer. The psalmist's prayer was, "God, turn me around." Hey, do, do you work in here? Do you work in me? Number three, watch this. You ain't going to like this one. Watch this. My preparation. So verse eight, I will hear. Now, I've been saying this all week because I've been dealing with your kids. So in, in our understanding, we don't say it like I will hear. We say it like this. You better listen. Hey, hey. Listen, you better listen to pastor when you talk. Listen, you better listen to pastor when we go on this activity. You better listen to pastor when we get to the beach. You better listen to pastor, hey, listen to pastor. Hey, if I had a dollar for every time I said to your children, hey, you better listen to pastor. Oh man. I'd have a private jet sitting right out here. My preparation. Listen, I, I will hear what the Lord God will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but, that's, a, that's interest, an interesting conjunction there, but let them not turn again to their folly. So it seriously says, my preparation is, I will listen. So when God is preparing me for whatever he has for me, I will listen. There's two ways that we listen to what the Lord is telling us. Number one, we listen to when the Lord speaks. When does the Lord speak? Watch, when does the Lord speak? Where does the Lord speak? In His Word. What well, the Lord spoke to me last night in a dream. No, that was too much pizza and root beer. That's what that was. That revelation has been turned off. The Lord speaks to us through His Word. By His Spirit, but through His Word. So I will listen when the Lord speaks for you and for me means when we open God's Word, we'll listen to what God's Word tells us, lest we become like those believers James writes to who were hearing the Word but not doers of the Word also, thereby deceiving themselves thinking that because I went to church, I got the truth. Thinking that simply because I heard the Word, that was good enough. No, no. Be doers of the Word also. See, if you aren't doing what the Lord has told you in His Word to do, then you aren't listening. Let me say that in like a southern way. If you ain't doing what the Lord told you in His Word, then you ain't doing what then you ain't listening to—I messed myself up with that ain't word. <laughs> then you ain't listening to the Lord. All the teachers in the room are like, that's what you get for using the word ain't. Man, I will, I will hear, I'll listen to God when He speaks. When does God speak? God speaks through His Word. God speaks through His Word. Every time and any time the Word of God is open, you can hear what God wants for you. Sometimes people go, Pastor, I just need to know what the Lord wants me to do. I just really need to know. I just need the Lord to speak to me. When's the last time you've been in your Bible? I I mean, I just can't focus on reading because I really need to hear God. I don't have time to read Psalms. I just need to hear God. You want to hear God? Read the Bible. The Bible is a self-revelation from God of who He is, of what He desires and the purposes He has in your life. How do we listen to God? We listen to God, speak. When does God speak? God speaks to us through His Word. Watch this. That's not the only way He speaks to us though. Watch this. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace unto His people and to His saints, but that, there's that weird conjunction there, but let them not turn again to folly. Watch this. God speaks to us through his word, by his spirit, but through his word. But God also speaks to us through corrective circumstances in our lives. Because whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Just Just like when your children didn't listen to you when you said, don't play with the electrical outlet. And they went wandering over there to the electrical outlet. I get these looks so fun. And they reach for you. Don't play with that. That's owie. Bad. Ooh. Ouch. Bad. Ooh. They walk away for a little bit. You put them down over here with about $500 worth of toys. They're not interested in those toys. Stand up. They see a 99-cent electrical outlet that looks fun. Go wandering over here to the outlet. They went to get it. You, I, I, don't don't touch that. Don't touch that electrical. You put them over here with the 500, dollars and you went and bought them another hundred-dollar toy in order for them to play. Look, it plays music. Ting tong, ting, ting, ting. You're gonna be you're gonna be a musician when you grow up. No, they won't. No, they won't. You stand up they're going to walk right over that electrical outlet and we're reaching for it. It's not, it's not a loving parent who goes okay, fine. You really want to play with it? Go ahead. <laughs> that's not a loving parent. Look, let me stick the fork in there for you. <laughs> well, that's, that's negligence. Right? So God doesn't let His children play with the electrical outlet. Lord, Lord, I'll listen. I'll listen when you speak. How does God speak? Through His Word. How does God speak? And through circumstances that we're going through, specifically for the Psalms, man, here the children of Israel are surrounded by enemies all over again. Man, here comes another invasion. Why? Because instead, instead of going after the Lord only, instead of serving the Lord their God only, instead of loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, having no other idols, having no other statues, making no graven images, and allowing no other gods to come before Him, instead of doing that, they went, we want to be like the other nations, we want statues. And God said, I love you too much. I love you too much to let you play with the electrical outlet. So now I'm going to turn you from your folly and I'm going to keep you from ruining your life. Amen. See, you're a loving parent and you kept your child from ruining their life by playing with the electrical outlet or maybe some of you didn't. I'm starting to think now that I've been with them for three days. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, Well, how much more should your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask? If we're evil parents and we don't let our children play with things that hurt them, well then if, and God is not evil, there's no evil in God at all, there's no sin in God at all, he's a perfect heavenly Father, then how much more are the good things he's doing in our life to keep us from ruining our own lives? So, during my preparation, I will listen. And when I think of my past, I'll be grateful. When I consider my present, I'll be joyful. And when I think of what God's doing in my life, it, through these circumstances, even right now, okay, Lord, I'll listen. I'll listen, I'll learn. Nobody likes a know-it-all. Nobody, nobody likes a know-it-all. How many of you have that person in your family? They think they know everything, right? How many of you, how many of you are sitting next to the person who thinks they know? Just, just give them a little bit of like. Pst. We'll talk later, but it's you. Just listen. (laughs) It's for your preparation. There's nothing worse than a know-it-all except a spiritual know-it-all. I count myself to have apprehended. That's not what Paul said. Paul doesn't go, hey, I think I've arrived, guys. I I mean, don't you know, I wrote a lot of this. Now, I I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reach forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Because God's turning me, he's changing me, he's showing me, he's granting me, he's giving me something and it's himself. And so all of these other things, I I don't even think I've arrived, I'm not pretending to have arrived. If you think you're spiritual, you aren't. If you think you've arrived, you haven't. I will hear. Okay, God, I'll listen. Okay, we got to get out of here. Verse 10. Uh, Can you just think images for a second? Because I don't have time to like break all these images down. But this is, this is poetry. Okay, so verse 10 and verse 11, this is poetry. So don't, don't read the, don't read the text thinking, I wonder who Miss Mercy is and I wonder who Mr. Truth are because they got together in the hallway and they were kissing. No, it's, it's, it's poetry, it's an image, and it's, and it's beautiful imagery if you'll, if you'll catch it. So verse 10, mercy and truth are met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other, and truth shall spring out of the earth. So, so think like, uh, like a, a, a full lawn growing up with this Bright green grass that's grow. Truth is now growing where there was nothing but desolation, where there was nothing but destruction. Fields were burnt, lands were tattered, built, cities were destroyed. Mercy and truth have met, righteousness and peace have met, and now what's 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 springing up? What's blossoming in the land? Truth is. Truth is. Truth is springing out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. So, you have these two beautiful images. You have righteousness as this canopy over the top of the land where the children of Israel are dwelling. You have righteousness over the top, and you have truth growing up. You you have, you have truth springing up, it's blossoming, it's flourishing. It's flourishing. Is your, is your life flourishing? Is your marriage flourishing? Are, are you flourishing in those relationships? Well, not, not without righteousness as your canopy and truth as your foundation no you you are not flourishing so verse 12 yea the lord shall give that which is good everything the lord gives is good Every good gift, every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. There is no good thing that the Lord withholds from them that love Him. I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. So... Every good thing that's happening in your life is a result of the provision that God is giving to you. Where does that, where is that provision met? That provision is met under the canopy of righteousness and the foundation of truth because there mercy and truth kiss. Righteousness and peace kiss. There they meet together. And our land shall yield her increase. Our land shall yield her increase, and righteousness shall go before Him, and shall set us in the way of His steps." I'm not real big on bumper sticker theology. How many of you know what I mean when I say that? God is my co-pilot. If that's on your bumper, I'm sorry. But that's terrible theology. But there, there is a bumper sticker that gets it right. I think it could be a wonderful commentary on Psalms 85. The bumper sticker that reads, no, as in N-O no Jesus, no peace. And then underneath that, it reads, no, as in K-N-O-W. Some of you ask your wife to spell it out for you later, then you'll get it better. No Jesus. No peace. If you don't know Jesus you won't know peace. But if you do know Jesus, then you can know peace. Thank you, Jesus. And this is what the psalmist says. They come walking into a land, just put yourself there for a second, we gotta be, we gotta get out of here. They come walking into a land where it's completely destroyed, it's all wrecked, it's all ruined, nothing but destruction. He says, I, I think about my past. I'll be grateful. God, you've been favorable to me. When I consider my present circumstance, I'll find joy. I'll rejoice in the Lord always, and again I'll say, rejoice. And when I think about my preparation, I'll learn, I'll listen. I won't be a spiritual know-it-all, I won't be a spiritual know-it-all, I'll listen. And when it comes to God's provision. I will, I will grow. I will grow, why? Because I know the Lord.